Welcome to the Mosh Zone, episode 129, week 129, volume 129, number fucking 129. Hey, going guys, how's your week been? Thank you for tuning in. This week's guest is Jason of Berry Tomorrow, and that will be coming up later in the show. Let's kick things off with feedback, questions, what's been going on. This week received a lot, and I mean a lot of messages and comments about last week's show. Love hearing that everyone enjoyed the show with Tom as much as I did. Also, love knowing that everyone stuck around with the amazingly long, in-depth, but sexy content that that chat was. Thank you for the glowing feedback. Thank you for everyone that got in touch. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. Now, over the last few weeks, we've gained a lot of new listeners. So this section's for you guys and for anyone else that hasn't done so yet. Help us out with a rating and review on iTunes. If you've got some time, help us out with a rating and review on Facebook. And lastly, help us out with a share on your social medias. All these little things that you guys do that not only interact with the show but share the show means the world and helps the show grow. Now enough of my ramblings, let's kick into the main part of the show. This week I got to sit down with Jason of Berry Tomorrow. First thing I got to say, thank you so very, very, very much dude for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect. Much appreciated. Now, firstly, by now, all of you guys listening should be aware of who this band are, mainly due to the fact that I've talked about them a lot over the last three years, but also you should be aware of who they are because Chris was on episode 104. So if you haven't heard that chat, after you've finished with this one, go back and have a listen. So in case you don't know who Berry Tomorrow are, they formed in 2006, one EP and six albums to their name. Style-wise, this band plays metalcore, and they play some of the finest of it you will hear. It's got the sexy guitar work you expect, it's got the big breakdowns, and it's got those catchy, soaring choruses. It's A-grade metalcore. Jason is someone I've been working on getting on the show for a while, so to get it done means I'm beyond excited. I had a lot of fun with Jason. It was relaxed, and I love the final outcome of our chat. That chat with Jason is coming up now. So I'll start off for everyone with the same question, and it's kind of a very general one, but growing up, not a heavy band necessarily, but a band in general. Do you remember music coming into existence for you because of a certain band at a young age? Not a heavy band, but just any band. Yeah, I was thinking. I mean, I was, I've been thinking about this recently, actually. Um, There's a couple of moments, couple of bands. I think. Um, I think from like a a bigger perspective, alternative music-wise, I remember listening to. Rolling by Limp Biscuit. I remember watching that video and thinking, <clears throat> this is a bit cool. This is a bit different. Um, and I bought their album off the back of that. Um, 
And then probably around the, it all happened quite quickly for me because I didn't really listen to metal until, yeah, I was like 16, 15, 16. Um, before that, I was a just a major sports kid, really. I just really liked football. I liked, um, yeah, just wasn't really into music. I didn't, I mean, my mum liked likes music, but kind of casually. Um, mm. My dad wasn't really a big music listener, so... So yeah, so I kind of got got into it a bit later on my own. But like Limp Biscuit, I remember listening to Rolling and being like, "This is cool. Like, this is a bit. This is not the stuff that my mum plays in the car." <laughs> um, and then from there, really the two, the two ones, the Metallica and it, uh, and Incubus for me, those two bands, because it uh, at first I wasn't, you know. I didn't really like screaming, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. When mm-hmm. I first heard, when I was like 16, I was like, what is, you know, like most people do that, like, what is that? Um, and Metallica and Incubus were like a way for me to enjoy heavy music. Well, heavy music. And uh, <laughs> looking back now, not heavy at all. But yeah, it was it was a way, you know, me and my friends were like the alternative kids at school in like year 10, 11. So it was like, it was a way for me to, be into that sort of music but not have to listen to people scream all day long as well (laughs) well i mean that that is it's interesting you say that because i think some people like to pretend that they're always into the screaming but i had the same reaction the first time i heard it i was like what is this and why are they being so like aggressive and (laughs) obnoxious in my face about it does it hurt like how can they do it like yeah i know exactly what you mean it, it it's quite crazy um that the people, um, you know, some people pretend they've always loved it. But, you know, what brought you, apart from the visual thing of, of Roland, um, what brought you into that style of music going into, like, the Incubus and the Metallica? Was it the musicianship? Was it the attitude? Was it the imagery? Um, because it's not something everyone connects with. Some people connect with it for, you know, the imagery. Some people because it connects lyrically. But what draw, drew you in? I think from a really basic level, I, I've always, I've always sang to myself. Like when I, I remember going to school in the early days and I, I've always felt that I could sing, like I always felt I could sing stuff. So I think for me, those two, those two bands had the best vocalists singing wise in, in that sort of genre, <clears throat> in an alternative genre, like Brandon Boyd was, did things that no one else could do. And I enjoyed just sitting at home and trying to copy that, to be honest with you. I mean, obviously the whole look of everything and, you know, me and my friends were like, you know, baggy hoodies, chains. And when we got to that, like 15, 16 period, we were, we were heavily into the, like the look of it all. Um, but those bands in particular for me, just because they were socially cool mm-hmm. um, and the talent vocally was, yeah, surpassed every other band by a country mile. Um and I just and Incubus especially. I mean, Metallica was Metallica is a bit of a weird one for me because I, I love them, but you know what it's like when everybody else loves something as much as you do. You're like, okay, well maybe I don't. I'm not a big fan because mm. this is these are like the biggest band ever. So my love for them has been like a bit of a roller coaster. Um, I've loved them, but Incubus was my my band in school. Like you know when you're in school and all your friends have like a band that they're mm-hmm. like synonymous with, and they're like, oh. If you like them, you should speak to him. He'll, you know, <laughs> he knows them. Incubus were definitely that band for me. Like I made it my personal goal to just know them inside out. And uh, and yeah, just talent-wise, dude, they were on a... So I don't think I could really appreciate 
heavy music musically like um what's the best way to say i couldn't appreciate it as well as maybe i do now obviously um and they were just yeah incubus was just that's just something even to this day dude i you know you you struggled to find a band that sound like that Mm. um and yeah from the off go that just that just blew me away really so you mentioned in there, you know, you were singing along. So um, without jumping ahead, you know, you're now a guitarist and a vocalist um, in Bury Tomorrow. So were you initially starting out with a musical path focused just purely on singing or was guitar starting to come into play at this stage as well? well yeah, well, this is, I guess this is probably, this probably sounds a bit complicated, but really it was guitar. I always sang, but that was always a, really private thing for me i think singing is a really difficult thing to uh throw out there to your friends and family Mm. like you know i came from like the sort of town and city that's quite working class like my dad is was a plasterer my uncle was a plasterer is like i didn't grow up in a scenario where it was where that was cool Mm. you know singing was not cool so um so for me it was actually guitar i used to i started guitar lessons in year nine at school so when i was like I don't know, 13, 14. Um, and kind of like the whole alternative music thing for me, it was like a group of people at school that I kind of like elevated towards and everybody listened to alternative music. So I kind of like got on, got into it that way. And one of my friends, uh, did guitar lessons. We worked out that you could skip quite a lot of school if you did them. So, um, (laughs) so we used to, we used to do that and guitar, was my main thing singing was like a it was like a back burner it was like i'd be at parties when i was like 16 and i'd be in the kitchen with people when we put a chorus on i'd sing along and someone would be like oh, dude you're actually like really good at singing that atreus song or something and i'd be like oh cool and that was about it really like i didn't you know it was but guitar was something that i could do and not stand out you know i could do it and just be part of five six of my friends that also did it um so yeah so that's so it was really it was guitar for me and then singing kind of um yeah a lot of parties a lot of like sitting with friends and you know we we all started listening a lot to like alexis on fire and my chemical romance and stuff and bands like that that had a lot more singing in um and like the whole emo stage came in Mm. probably at the start of my college days and uh and yeah and people just started like commenting i guess and being like, oh, you're okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can do you can do that. Not massively motivating, but motivating enough. Yeah, you, you can maybe you can maybe do this. Yeah. Like yeah. no no one's gonna tell me to go and rule the world or anything. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there was a bit of like kind of like cool encouragement from my friends, if that makes sense. What about um what about in high school, you know, you mentioned you start playing guitar and stuff, but um are you looking at music at all being a career possibility or are you purely focused on another path and music's just a pastime that you can add to yeah i mean i guess i was i really didn't know like what i was going to do it was pretty crazy time for me dude because my my mum and dad split up not to get too deep my mum and dad split up when i was like 15 Mm -hmm. so the whole time where you're kind of like what do i want to do with my life i was probably more so than ever like give a fuck i kind of didn't really care i was like i was just on the on the on the ride basically um because i remember when i left school i pretty i didn't really know what i was going to do and my mum was like and i had one gcse which is pretty bad Mm. um 
And my mum was like, what are you doing with your life? Like, what are you going to do? Like, where are you going to go? What, you know, you play guitar, you like music, you're really into this. She was like, I know that you can sing. She was like, why don't you try and be in a band or do some sort of band stuff? Um, and through that, I basically got really lucky and I managed to jump on a college course um, with my yeah severe lack of GCSE. But the music courses, you didn't really need like the um grades you kind of mm. you could go for an interview and kind of blag it in a way mm. so i went for an interview with them and i managed to get onto a music course where the goal was like to in six months the goal was kind of to play a show essentially like you start and you meet other people you you do cover songs and the college had this big theater um looking back i think it was one of those like let's put all the stupid kids in a uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um but that, that ended up being a massive, massive thing for me because during that, I we were doing an Incubus cover and there were a few girls in the group that were singing and they were really bad. <laughs> um, and I remember it vividly. I just I just said to our uh, tutor, I was like, look, I, I think I can sing that better than she can. I have no idea why I did that to this day. I don't know what gave me that confidence, but I was like, yeah, I think I can do this better than her. Um, I stood up and sang it. Um, that was probably the bravest thing I've ever done in my life, to be honest. And then, and she she was really complimentary. Everyone was really complimentary, um, which was really cool. Uh, and then that, and then I did the show, and, and I only ever did that one song. They asked me to sing more, but I was like, nah, 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 I'll do one. Um, and then I sang it that show. I sang. Uh, my mum was there, so that was pretty cool. And just you know, and everyone and. Uh, stood up and clapped at the end, which was really cool. Um, and yeah, and that was kind of the beginning of me thinking like, okay, like I should probably think about doing singing mm. for like a, for a thing. That's a, that's a, you know, I, I also um, understand that 15 year old thing, family breakup. It happened to me as well. And that, that path, you just, you start just thinking, I don't know, what's the point? You know, what's the point? Because you've become focused on other things, but obviously um, I went through, production and engineering and my reaction from the fam well the reaction from my family was mickey mouse but obviously for you that little step of just getting out there and performing was obviously a vital step in the progress of what we see today because obviously for you it's quite interesting that you say that you were nervous about getting in front of people because now i mean shit it's not excluding what's going on in the world exactly that's what you do you know all the time you know day in day out when you can tour yeah no it is i mean it's it's weird i guess at that early stage you know i am i can only stand up and do what i do because i've been told hundreds of times that i'm really good at it and i think like (laughs) that's just the black and white of it you know Mm. i'm incredibly lucky to to have been in this scenario and it's one of them. I mean, I'm, I'm probably, I think in our genre, like it's a lot easier to be a really good singer in, in heavy music than it is anywhere else. So I think people even to this day blow me out of proportion. (laughs) Um, so it's been, so straight off the bat for me, you know, to start singing choruses in a metal band, I think people were just like, Oh, wow, wow. You're insane. You're insane. You're insane. So it just kind of went from there. And I guess, yeah, just grew the confidence really. Now, you know, you mentioned you're doing this course, but are you attending local shows in your area? Like, was there a local scene that you were starting to, you know, 
gravitate towards in the heavy style? Yeah, kind of. It was it was a bit weird. Like I was never in Portsmouth, where I'm from, and the other guys are from Southampton, which is it's like Next. a half hour drive. But yeah. you know, in some cities, it's like a big gap as far as scenes and who likes what and who goes to what shows. So it wasn't really the alternative movement in like my city was really small compared to Southampton where the other guys are from. So there wasn't like, we were, we're like, um, like an hour and a half away from London. So we sometimes get really good shows, but most of the time they went to Southampton where the boys are from. So yeah, I did go to shows, but not as much as, still it was still kind of all new to me if when i started playing shows if that makes sense like it was um i went to gigs but probably not as much as your normal kid Mm. at that age um we only had like two venues and as i say most bands would go to london and then it was a case of can you really afford to do that sort of thing um but yeah i used to go to the odd show in london like with our friend my friends and there's a memory of us all going to, to a kill switch show i think i must have been 16 17 we all got a minibus up to Brixton, watch them. I think Bringley supported them, you know. Wow. Crazily enough, yeah. Mm. Um, so yeah, so yeah, a few few cool memories of some shows, but it wasn't like, yeah, it wasn't like all the time. Sadly, now, for my city. Yeah, I mean, but that's that's understandable because I think a lot of people listening can probably sympathise with that. Some people, as you said, like the rest of the guys from Southampton, they have a vibrant scene, but some other people don't have a vibrant scene. Um, mm. Now, what's your progression to starting to play live music? Because you're nervous, you do a performance at your college, and then, I mean, is there a natural step to suddenly being in a band, or is it a slow progress? Um, well, it, for me, it was... Um, so, I mean, it was a while ago, so I'm trying, I'm trying to remember <laughs> all the good bits to... But, I guess for me, that was the first step in college. And then obviously, you know, your friends, I had friends that played instruments and kind of knew I could sing. And um, as I say, because the scene wasn't great and we had the smallest venue we had was really difficult to play. Like it was a 400, the smallest venue we had was like a 400 cap room, which was even to this day, man, it's one of the, the best 400 cap rooms I've ever been in as far as, you know, uh, professionalism and just the way it is. And, but it's, that makes it, you know, local bands need to play pubs and we mm. just didn't have a lot in Portsmouth. So I did start, well, my friend started a band um, called Clear Vision. Kind of sounds like a opticians or something now. <laughs> but, um, and his, the bassist dad, he used, he owned like a warehouse thing. He, he had a, like an electrical company. And I went down there with one of my best mates, um, Sonny, who I kind of, well, I still speak to now. And he used to scream a lot and I used to sing. So we went down and did vocals for their band, essentially. I mean, I don't think we were ever a band, but we used to practice for like a few months in this warehouse thing, which is a bit weird. But that was the first time I'd properly sang down a microphone, just like kind of jammed melodies and just done my own thing. And I did that for like two, three months. We never played a show Um, or maybe, I mean, maybe they did, but I never got, never got there. Um, and the thing is, like most of my friends that I grew up with, I don't think we were compatible to be in a band together. We were mm. never in, it never really worked in that way. Um, 
I don't know. It was a bit. It was a weird one. Like my whole friendship group was weird. It was like we all wanted to do well, but no one wanted somebody else to do better. It was just a weird. It was a weird vibe, man. Um, and that's the cool thing about like meeting Dan and Dav and Jacko, and the rest of the boys was like that. That was kind of like a release for me. I, I kind of went to. I mean, long story short, um, saw an audition bulletin on MySpace for a singer guitarist in a local band called Barry Tomorrow. I was like, I think I can do that. I went for an audition and um, and with these, you know, four random dudes that I didn't know from like Southampton and and yeah, and then bish bash bosh. But I think, I guess the college thing happened and then I probably about a year and a half afterwards uh, joined the band. But for that year and a half, it was kind of like played with my friends a little bit in a warehouse, never really played a show, didn't really know you know whether i was good enough or whether i wanted to be good enough i don't know it was it was a weird time and you you mentioned the glorious um for anyone that's too young you won't remember the glory of myspace days um <laughs> being being old myself in my late 30s i remember it but when barry tomorrow posts this um about wanting a singer and guitarist is this around the 2006 time is this before the initial ep had come out or the ep already come out so so weird situation with the band was they i kind of knew of berry tomorrow because they were a local band and jacko specifically was always pushing like he him and his friends he was pushing his local band like he had a lot he made a lot of effort wasn't bothered about looking cool just made a lot of effort wanted to get in people's faces sort of thing um so they kind of had, they had a band. It was him and his friends. It was kind of already set up. They were bringing, I think Dav came in like a year before me. Um, same with Dan. Um, so when I, basically their singer guitarist, Chris, who is one of Jacko's really good friends, <clears throat> who, um, who considered, you know, is a pretty good singer, a pretty good guitarist as well, considering like they seem now, you know, as a 30 year old man now, I'm like, oh, they're hard to come by. Like if, I had a friend trying to start up a local band. I'd be like, dude, you're going to struggle to find a good singer guitarist. But yeah, they had a, a really good guy in Chris and he was a talented dude, really nice guy. And uh, he just couldn't, didn't want to record an EP because he didn't want to commit to what that would bring. And he knew that if he recorded the EP and then they were like, let's tour it and they had to get someone else in that didn't sound like him, it would be, well, it'd be awkward and annoying. Mm. So he basically was like, look, I'm going to, they had the EP wrote, they had it all done. And then he was like, I don't want to do it in the studio. Um, mm. So for me, when I joined, that was, that was kind of part of the audition. They were like, look, we have an EP wrote, ready to go, which included these words uh, on it. And they were like, yeah, it's all ready to go. Um, do you want to sing on it? I remember Chris teaching me the like lyrics to these words, like I can feel you running and all that stuff. And, and Mark, their then guitarist, like teaching me all the riffs and stuff. So, so yeah, so I basically joined the band, dude. And I, I would, I want to say it less than two months later, I was in the studio recording that EP, which is ridiculous. Yeah, you went, you literally hit the ground running. I mean, from... yeah, I didn't realize at the time because I'm, I mean, from my point of view, I'm just, I'm so new to that world. Like it's, I kind of, I wasn't laughing at them, but I was a bit like, I remember Jacko was like, look, come to one of our shows. And he got, he gave me a ticket and I've still got the ticket. Cause I never, I never went, I never used it, <laughs> but I, I didn't, I just didn't take it seriously. dude. I didn't, 
you know, although we were in this, you know, we went to this CP that they, they went to do the CP that they'd saved up for, for like two years of their lives. I didn't put a single penny in. I was just purely there because I could sing. Um, wasn't, wasn't even like friends with these guys at this point. They were still kind of strangers. It, it was really, it was really weird, man. But, um, but looking back, they just needed, uh, they needed a singer. Um, they needed a singing guitarist. And I think they kind of, I think speaking to some members now, it's they were kind of like, well, what a win. <laughs> we didn't <laughs> think we'd find this dude that could do this. So let's just get him in and, and get him on. But then at the same time, because they had a good guy before, I don't think they were like too blown away by me, if that makes sense, which was probably good for me because that just made it a bit more normal. And that wasn't like, oh my God, like this guy is crazy. Like, so yeah, so it, yeah, it was pretty mad, dude. I, I mean, I remember getting to know them in the studio and driving up, getting picked up in the morning and thinking, I remember driving on the way to the studio thinking, this is, this is a big deal to these guys. Mm. Like this is this, they want to like really go with this EP and really tour it and properly try and become like a big band, which had not even crossed my mind at that point. So it's also interesting because as a lot of people know, and as you know, now, you know, what over 10 years later, it's it's also important that you get along with the people that you're in a band with, that you guys bond and connect and can work together with the good times and the bad times. And that's quite interesting that you come in, you're doing a recording, and you're not even sure if you guys connect or not. Yeah. I mean, dude, it's it's we've always had a, a crazy dynamic because of that. But, I mean, obviously, Dad and Dan are brothers. Mm. So that's a, that's a given. They get on really well. Well, they don't get on really well, but it doesn't matter sometimes because <laughs> they can fight and it doesn't matter. Um, Jacko, you know, ever since I've joined, he's always been, he's a really chill guy, really placid dude. And he, he's kind of like the opposite to me on loads of levels. And I think I've always appreciated that kind of complete, I've just needed that difference. You know, it's good to have people across from you that are completely different in that sense, especially when they're chill and relaxed and can explain stuff. So he's been really good for me in that sense. And obviously we've had... Well, since those days, we've had, I mean, obviously Dawson's been in the band for like six years now, but mm. back in those days, we had two two guys before him. Um, and I think that taught taught us all, you know, more than anything, that you have to get on with the people that you're, you're in a band with. Because if you, if you don't, no matter what you're doing, no matter how bad it's going or how good it's going, you ain't, you ain't going to have fun. Exactly. And it's very important. Um, now, let's come back to this EP. So... You've only been in for a little while. Um, you're not really sure on the seriousness or the level of all of this that's going on. You get the EP done. Uh, it gets out. This is around 2007, Sleep of the Innocence. And is it starting to just then become a bit of a whirlwind? Because obviously there's some determination within the band to push the band. So you guys starting to do weekenders? Um, are you trying to gig as much as possible? What's this stage of the band like? Yeah, I mean, so I guess, so Dav, when I joined the band, Dav was like heavily involved with Jack. You know, Jacko had always been in a band with his friends and Dav came in and kind of was like, look, I'm going to help you take this to the next level, which basically meant we're going to get on every single support slot that our local cities have to offer, no matter what. Doesn't matter who I need to, you know, what promoters I need to kiss and whatever. <laughs> like Dav was just on it, man. He really he really was our number one fan still is always has been like he just pushed us to everyone and 
you know, he all, he took me under his wing straight away. I remember him saying to me after like a couple of practices, like he was like, he was like, you might not know how good you are, but I know how good you are. And he was like, you know, well, I'm going to make sure that we, we do something with this. Like, um, so yeah, so that was really just local scene. I mean, we did try and get out on tours and we, I remember we did do one summer where we went out for like four or five weeks in a van, but I mean, I say it was like a four or five week tour. We did probably 10 days worth of shows, um, but we just kind of like played where we could. And if we had to have four days off in Scotland, then we had four days off in Scotland <laughs> sort of thing. Um, but we, we had a lot of trust in Dav. We all, we all did. And, uh, you know, it was, he, he was only, I mean, he's only ever been like three or four years older than me, but I think when you're, and with Dan being his little brother, I think me and Dan and probably our other guitarists at the time were, you know, under Jacko and Dav's wings at that point, you know, we were just on the ride and hoping for the best. Um, and yeah, we played a hell of a lot of local shows, man. And that kind of made it, that got us to a point where we could get 150 people in a room, friends and family as well, but we could get 150 people in a room in Southampton and sell out, sell out like a pub venue. Um, which, yeah, which made some noise. And I kind of noticed around those times as well, like you go, you know, I'd go to like house parties and people would, they wouldn't know the band, but then they'd know the song, These Woods, like mm-hmm. These Woods Aren't Safe For Us really got around our like local area. Like people knew, and you know, we'd go and play a show in Sheffield and someone would be like, man, These Woods is so good. And, you know, at that point, those MySpace, those MySpace players, when you could put like four or five songs on, they were, they were becoming super, super important. And that, that song had, I think like, so, well, I don't know, hundreds of thousands more plays than any of our other songs. And it was really pushing. So yeah, that's really, that's what I remember at that time is just these words aren't safe for us. That's what, that's the song everyone wanted to hear. That's, that was the, you know, I had the big vocal break in it, which was cool for me because again, another big step on me thinking, okay, I'm pretty good because if you're doing a vocal break every night, you know, whether it's the 10 people in a room or 150, it's, it can be a scary thing to do. And I think that doing that, you know, our first ever big song to have such a big vocal point for me was looking back pretty good, to be fair, because it, I think it's uh, helped me with my confidence nowadays. Well, I mean, your confidence must have surely been put to test with the debut release or debut full length portraits because... It feel you know, you're obviously building momentum and you've got the big motivator and pusher going on with you guys in the band, but Portraits really felt like a big roll of the dice for you guys from the outset. It was a big, big album-sounding release for a band that for some people outside of the UK maybe didn't know who you guys were, but I heard of you guys as soon as that album came out. It was that widely, you know, spread, if that makes sense. Yeah, it was almost like, you know, the internet, obviously, it's always growing, but mm. you really, I don't think anyone, that's kind of why I mentioned the players on MySpace, because those things, that that stretched far. I don't think anyone really realised how, you know, you can look on Spotify today, and we've got like, you know, so many thousands of followers and you're like, uh, listeners, and you're like, okay, cool, I can kind of put that in perspective, but back then, it was really difficult too, um, so I don't even think we realised how far portraits spread, but man, we from the moment that EP went out, I think because, 
you know, Dav didn't really have anything to do with that EP as far as writing it. It was it was Jacko and his friends. So as soon as I joined the band, yes, we recorded the EP, but we knew that wasn't who we were. We knew that with me and Dav um, and our new guitarist at the time in the band, we had we were better. We were better than that EP almost instantly when we started playing the songs live. So so we just started and portraits took you know, we wrote that record over like a three, three, four year period. You know, we did Casting Shapes, Her Bones, um, These Woods is even on it. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we wrote that over such a long period of time. I remember one summer we did the whole, like my mum, I asked my mum if we could clear out my garage and uh, we put the whole band in the garage and we jammed and that's where we wrote like Repair the Lining and... Mm-hmm. Um, and confessions and stuff and it was just it was cool man it was a really organic thing but it it was we gave our everything to it for three four years and it really like accumulated into this big thing like you know i was realizing that this was something i kind of wanted to give a crap about and i think the other guys you know dav as i say was always like let's do this let's do this but um and yeah man and it was just i always used to say that it took us so many years. That's the longest we've ever had to write a record. And because of that, there's going to be positives on that that you're not going to get on any of the others because we had years, man. We had years to write that. We, 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 you know, Factory of Embers, I remember writing that song like five times over. Like, you know, it was, we could just, and obviously, you know, I'd like to think we're better now, but, um, but at the time, you know, it, for, for a bunch of dudes that, hadn't really released anything together i know we had the ep but as i say like a guy called mark wrote the guitars that no you know a guy called chris wrote the melodies um you know andy was our screamer on that ep um and dan was kind of like a backup keys player so it was it almost wasn't us you know we were just preparing to show berry tomorrow for the first time and we tried to give it the the best catapult that we that we possibly could and, and looking back man i I think we can be really proud of, uh, as you say, it, people heard it. So, and that was the that was the one thing we wanted. So, well, I think it was a catapult because it also showed, you know, at this stage, uh, portraits is two thousand nine. I think we're probably safely saying that in this stage, the sound that you guys do or started out in particular, the core sound was everyone just thought American bands did it. It was kind of, it was only in America would you find these kind of bands. And you guys came out of the gate with basically putting a, a tent pole down and saying, no, 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 the British boys can do it too. It was a real signal of um, achievement and intent saying that you better pay attention to us because we're here to stay. Yeah, well, I mean, we, dude, we, you know, I think a big part of like between the EP and that record was as metal fans listening to Horizons by Parkway, listening to Azalea Dying Records, listening to Killswitch Records. And I think, you know, I keep bringing Dav up, but he is such a big part of uh, my journey. Um, And he always used to say to me, like, we'd listen to Killswitch together and he'd be like, we could do that. Mm. Like, you could do that. You could sing like that. You could do that. And I'd be like really you know you listen to these bands and you think like wow like you know that is that's but he we we all what he knew and, and therefore we knew as a group that we could do something 
you know, all of those bands, man, that, you know, there's not much metalcore from the UK and there never has been as far as like top tier. Like there just hasn't been. And, you know, we were such big fans of it. I can't, I can't explain to you, like, you know, I joined the band, an Incubus and Metallica fan. And then really like together, we just, just loved metalcore, you know, mm. like, I mean, I loved Killswitch Engage and I loved Azalea Dine and, and I always wanted to do that. Um, it was weird because we never tried to be original. <laughs> we never wanted to like do something different. And we, to be honest, we still don't, um, <laughs> which is hopefully part of our charm. But yeah, it was, we just wanted to write something that would represent the UK in that same light, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, it's the same, man. To me at the time, it was not rubbish, but I was like, there's no way, you know, I'd, I'd listen to, as daylight dies in the evenings and be like, well, we haven't wrote this. So. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a while to go. Um, but obviously, you know, um, the next step was Union of Crowns, um, which I've got the, I remember you guys did a pre-order. I've got the signed, uh, like just large size artwork. Um, Sick. like, I think it's like an, it's not, not an A4. I think it's an A3. Um, the pre-orders are the pre-orders are pretty good for that. If I remember right. It yeah. was. Um, and I got the pre-order specifically for the large signed artwork, um, Wicked. that was signed. I think it was all gold pen or silver pen. It's in a box cause we're moving. Sick. Um, nice. but I remember that album. It felt, it felt like another big step. And that's the thing, you know, without jumping forward, you guys seem to always without intention or it just seems to naturally happen, but you're taking a step forward or a step trying to go forward every way. And what I mean is Union of Crowns, it got international distribution through Nuclear Blast. That's a big step. Um, it also felt like you guys were even further trying to show that you could do this because you guys started playing Download, Summer Blast, Slam Dunk. You know, is this album... Um, looking back on it, a pivotal moment for the band because it's a sophomore release. A lot of bands' sophomore release, it either wins fans or it flattens and loses fans. Yeah, I mean, it. you know, I'm not going to... I won't lie. It was. It felt for a while like it was on our backs because, mm. you know, people love that one so much. I think, yeah, I mean, we're always trying to get better. I think we're always... I mean, I'm, you know, I'd like to think during this lockdown period, I'm, I'm a better guitarist than I was. Uh, definitely not a singer. I need to start practicing <laughs> that a bit again. But, um, but yeah, I, we're always trying to get better. I felt like our level between, you know, basically with portraits, like I wrote a few songs, our old guitarist wrote a few songs. It was, and we'd done it over a course of course of a few years. It didn't really show off our uh, talent. I don't think musically, like we'd hoped after it had come out, we looked back on it and I think we'd, there'd been some songs we wrote two years ago. There were some songs we wrote a month ago. There were parts of songs that we wrote years apart. And we kind of felt that. Whereas Union was the first album where we had a chance to just write a record, just, you know, just start forward, um, you know, not have to pick singles from other things back in the day or fill in gaps. It was like we had to write a full record and, it was really fun you know the whole the artwork behind it the concept behind it with the whole royalty thing that dan and dav came up with like i think visually even to this day i mean cannibal's pretty good but visually man that that was that's the best 
like album we've we've had i you know it just looked amazing i'll never forget the first time i saw that artwork dude i was like that um yeah it was just so cool i remember thinking that was because i didn't really like portraits i was pretty bummed out by portraits um just the whole like in the you know, very simple artwork obvious. yeah and the union one just came out of nowhere and i was like whoa like didn't expect that um and yeah and it's just uh i think i always think of lionheart as a separate thing because lionheart for us we wrote that way before we wrote the rest of the record and that single was a big one for us as far as like realizing what portraits had done because as i said like in that time you didn't we just didn't know we didn't know how far it had reached and then when we released lionheart and saw the reaction it got we were like okay like a lot of people knew about us then like a lot of people were kind of waiting for this and we took that fire into the into union really and it was you know we were in a studio that was pretty cool for back then like it was you know more than we'd ever seen before and i kind of lived i actually lived there as well like stayed in the studio area for a bit i mean i'm i was always been a bit of a homeless dude in that sense so if you give me a studio to live in for six weeks i'm i'm all in um and yeah it was it was all in it was so, so different to portraits man it was just completely different it was you know here right now i'm back to front in this time frame we're going to give you this studio you know nuclear blast was a really cool exciting experience we never thought we'd you know never thought we'd get the chance to release something on such a big label so it was just exciting man and you know i think I think I like to think all of our records are special, but yeah, I mean, that one definitely impressed a lot of people I felt at the time and uh, did what we needed it to do really. I mean, dude, I li- I listen back to that now and I think that's the worst sounding metalcore album I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> um, <laughs> just the way, just the way the drum sound and the guitar sound and oh, I hate it. But, um, but I get it because there's, there's bands that I, you know, I listened. I listened to the uh, self-titled. I think it's self-titled. Um, Alexis on Fire album the other day, mm. and I was like, mm. if, I was like, if this was recorded well, I'd probably not like it. It's mm. one of them, and it's like you just you like what it is. But yeah, it's definitely a special one, man. I mean, I, I, it's weird, man. You release something, and the fans they decide what's the special ones and what isn't. And that, yeah, that one was a hard one to shake. I don't think we fully shook that one off until Black Flame, to be honest with you. <laughs> I, think, I think it's really interesting because that's something I found interesting was I loved it, you know, at the time. I agree now, looking back, it, it sounds a bit rough around the edges, but I think that's probably part of the charm. But I think it's interesting yeah. because it was also, I remember, and I think it's something that you guys have always had, fans gravitated towards it and turned up to shows but the critics, I think, around this time started giving you guys a hard hard go, if I remember correctly. Is that something that's always been a bit strange? Is For being an artist, you're seeing that people are turning out, they're buying the albums, they're streaming it, they're want, wanting to come to your shows, but then these assholes who apparently have an opinion, who are apparently influencing people's opinions, are telling people that, oh, this is just bland, we've heard it all before, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, you know, as I said to you earlier, we've never tried to be original, and you know, I've 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 had a lot of conversations since those days, and I think that I understand why the the press and industry in general are looking for that next thing that's a bit different. Um, I get it. I mean, I'm 
I do think, just from a British point of view, from our own press, we probably deserved a little bit, bit more back then. But it's one of those, man. I think you just, it made us what we were. You know, mm. it made us. It, it made. It probably made Rune sound better. It probably made Earthbound sound better. So I think, yeah, it was. We our band has never been on the front page of you know even now, dude. Like the most common thing I see on the internet about our band after every release is this band is so underrated. Yeah. And the reason, the reason that people think that is because we're not at the front page of every, you know, we're not. And we've seen, we saw that five, six years ago. So people are seeing that now. I mean, dude, I, I collected every single magazine that we were ever in until about, it's about, about 2011, 2012, maybe. Um, and I just, I, I just saw it for what it was. I just, I just started to see that it was, you know, it's just business decisions. It's just, you know, it's, it's like a big group of mates kind of looking out for each other and you're either in or you're not. Um, and yeah, and it, but, and it, you know, around that time, it was probably more after that record, really. Um, we were a bit like, you know, we've always, man, we've always, as I say, never been on the front page. We've never been the, you know, the front, the, the darlings uh, of the press. Yeah, never mm. been the darlings. But you know what? Like, it just makes us fight that little harder, I think. You know, like, as I say, from the, from the moment I joined, Dav was like, we're going to do this. Mm. We're going to, you know, we be- you've got to believe in yourself, man. You, you know, even when people say great things about us now, I take it with a pinch of salt. Like, if you, you need to look in the mirror or you need to have people around you that believe in you. Um, and luckily I had that, uh, throughout this entire time, which has made me just, you know, carry on. But yeah, it's, you can't, I don't listen to the positive stuff really anymore. So the negatives, you know, not being, is what it is, Mm. is what it is. Well, I did, you know, I do find it very interesting that, you know, as you said, underrated and I'd say underdogs, um, forever. Well, not, maybe not forever when you look how Cannibal's gone, but you guys have, a die-hard fan base, um, and I'm going to throw myself in that, even though I'm outside of your continent. But you guys have always connected with your fans, no matter what you're doing. The fans support you guys; they follow you guys. That's music, man. You know, that's music. You know, we've lent or we've lent on that, and we will do the fact mm. that people love music, and our industry is flooded with so much other crap. You know, the way people look, the way people act the things people say, the way people come across, just like life is, I guess, but something special about music that, and that's the best thing now is I've always had faith in that. And that faith's kind of, um, it's repaying me now because mm. I can see that, you know, like we wouldn't be a band if people didn't genuinely care about the music people made instead of, you know, the storyline behind it or the, you know, we've just, just always kept our heads down, man, and just tried to write, good metal core that we never we don't we don't take ourselves too seriously we don't try and be something that we're not and the, and the and the truth is is that's affected us sometimes that's for negatively you know if we had tried to be something that we're not and if we had tried to please people that we shouldn't have tried to please then maybe we wouldn't have the we definitely wouldn't have the discography that we've got sounding like we do so yeah um it's a weird one it's a weird one but well, I, I mean, you know, before we switch back to Ruins and Earthbound and stuff, you know, one thing, uh, just a comment, it's more of a comment than a question. 
um, and you mentioned it with um, bands, they're always look, critics and sometimes fans are always looking for the new thing. I think something also needs to be celebrated about what you guys do, and you say you're never trying to reinvent the wheel or anything like that, is that I like going to certain bands for what they do. And then I will get annoyed if they change things up too much. I like going to Bury Same. Tomorrow. I like going to Bury Tomorrow for the riffs, the sing-alongs, the, the breakdowns, everything about what Bury Tomorrow do, I like. Now, if Bury Tomorrow suddenly change it and you suddenly got gent moments and time signatures everywhere and, you know, who knows what else, like rapping or something, I won't like it. I think the only way we would have been able to get away with that dude is if we had made it about us. Um, but we've never, you know, the five of us, we've never, never been the most like, Hey, look at me sort of people, you know? So I think mm. that's, that might be a, be a part of it, but yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry. I've lost my train of thought a little bit here, but yeah, I think um, hopefully we're, we're, getting that off our back now you know hopefully people are starting to wake up and just realize that because you know a lot of people probably listen to black flame and thought how can they release another one of these without sounding exactly the same and boring the crap out of people <laughs> um and we've always but and my answer to that is because people love metalcore dude like mm. you know mm. and they will do they will do forever and we i just want to be known for metalcore i'm not here to like change some musical path for someone i'm not here to like you know, I'm not an Einstein, um, an Albert Einstein of, of metal music. I'm just, you know, I'm, a, I'm just a normal dude that likes bands and wants to kind of do it the same. And <laughs> that's basically what we do, you know. Well, it's not just that, you know. It, it's also, I think sometimes people forget you need to do what you enjoy. So if you guys enjoy this music, just fucking do it and just keep rolling with it. And also, um, there's many different styles of metalcore. That's the other thing people seem to forget. You, you know, every genre is a very wide genre. You guys do a certain style of metalcore, but then there's other bands that do completely different styles of metalcore. Um, you know, all, yeah. all under the bracket, but what Barry Tomorrow do works, so don't fucking change. Just keep fucking doing it. Um, I'm yeah, happy. We, man, we, we are our fans, bro, at the mm. end of the day. You know, we, we are the people that listen to our music. Like, we're the same dudes, and, and that's why we write what we write, so... Yeah, 100%. Now, let's jump into Ruins and Earthbound because these were um, quite, I think they're both albums that I think are kind of missed sometimes when people look at the discography. I think they're maybe, you know, glossed over because people focus on the new stuff like Black Flame and Cannibal, understandably, or they go back to Union. But this was also, I think, an important time in the band. Um, and I'm not trying to blow smoke up his ass because he might listen to this all epi uh, episode. But Chris... <laughs> Chris came in. Um, so a new writing element came in, and it feels like you guys started to bring in a bigger element of the riff to the band. Like, it became a little bit more heavier, if that can make sense. It was already kind of heavy, but it came a little bit heavier, especially on those two albums. Yeah, I mean, we, we uh, you know, Chris, is he, man, he is a, one of the greatest people you'll ever meet in your mm. life, which when you're looking for someone to come in and be such a big part of the songwriting process and, and such a big part of something that you've spent so many years trying to like perfect and create. And, you know, as I said before, with Dav putting his arm around me, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. You do become a bit of a control freak. And I think he needed to be a certain sort of person and he was just the perfect person that could have joined our band when he did. Um, 
and I think musically what that did was it was it was quite freeing for I think for other members of the band like uh, previous members had always been quite controlling it was always it was always a bit of a battle you know don't get me wrong like I love union and I love what we what we created but you know I remember writing honorable rain uh with our old guitarist and having a full-blown argument about a certain bit like it, it would there were battles that probably didn't need to be had and that was the best thing about runes it was just a really easy process um like do us you know he basically wrote i'll call him chris i'll call him do us he's got many names but um he, he he basically you know he wrote so many songs on that record like back to front just by himself like i didn't really have a lot of input um like man on fire watcher uh and yeah and he and he, and he just it was just a, you know i want to say we kind of didn't really care about the songwriting as much and i mean that in the in the sense that like we were just really enjoying being five dudes again and doing something we ne- we always felt like we had arguments we didn't need to have before you know it was like we don't we don't need to be arguing about what this thing does here and how this goes into this like we can just fall back and trust on what we do and, and our vision um and runes was was the best example of that 100 percent. and to be honest there's things on that record now i listen back to and i'm like there's things i don't really like but it's because we were just being really free with it and just going you know and and you know mainly going where dawson wanted to go like where where he felt we wanted him to come in and be a real part of our band and put his stamp on what we did um and i think he did that man i think you can really hear i can really hear the difference between union and runes like it's there's a yeah it's heavier mm. like it's it is heavier like it's less like i guess less rocky inspired and just more like i love listening to as they dying and and then as i say like i guess kind of me and dan do our thing over the top and you know it it was a it was a almost feels like a firstborn that that album it's weird yeah, I think that album is sometimes forgotten. And then you look at the next one after it, 2016's Earthbound. Um, it feels like, you know, you mentioned in there the, you know, like the As I Lay Dying element, the Unearth element. feels like he, Dawes in particular, doubled down um, really on that kind of riffage because that's probably um, not taken away from any other album. I would say that is, in brackets, the heaviest that you've done. Yeah, I think I think if I was, I mean, I can I, I don't know the yeah, but if if I was a fan and I wasn't in the band, and I listened to this, I think Earthbound would be my favourite. Mm. I mean, I I always say to the boys now because obviously with Black Flame and Cannibal, the big the biggest difference with those two records is the budget that we had to record them. Um, we were in a, a you know a, an expensive studio using expensive equipment to record those two records, whereas Earthbound was the same as we recorded at the same place we did Runes which didn't do it the justice really considering how much we'd come on as musicians and how much we'd grown together with Dawson as a five. Cause I think the biggest thing between union and, and earthbound runes all incorporated was the amount of shows we were doing. You know, mm. we, we started to be like a, a pro band. We were touring heavily and getting our heads around that and just becoming better musicians in general. You know, you start writing your songs for like, the live, you know, environment a bit more, you, you know, you start being smarter about what, what will go off in that scenario. So, so yeah, it was, um, so I think Earthbound, as I, I always joke now, I say, boys, I would love to re-record Earthbound in the studio that we did Cannibal. Cause I think it would sound 
utterly mental. Um, so yeah, a lot. I've personally got a lot of love for that album, dude. I mean, you know, Runes was um, it was it was kind of a, f- a first born with Dawson, as I said, and I found was like we'd done four, we'd done one with Dawson. It was time to to release the record that we all really wanted to release, man. I, it was the first one that we we all listened back. Even with Union, there were songs on there that we'd changed stuff, like Earthbound, dude. Like, we were super, super happy with that. Like, it was the first record we all sat around and listened to together and were like, yeah, this is sick. You know, we're basically fans of our own band. Like, <laughs> I love it. Awesome I love it. such a, it, you know, I was just listening to it the other day because I went back to have a squeeze at it and I forgot how much I loved it. Um, you brought up something I definitely wanted to ask, which is, yeah, you became around this time and leading into 2016 became known as a band that's very reliable in a live setting. Um, and I, what I mean by that is, you guys, when you can, obviously not taking into consideration the fuck up of 2020, um, you play, you play consistently, regularly. You get out to places that some people don't. You know, you play the local little spots. You know, the little. 400 caps or less um but not only that you guys put on a show you're the band that people will go see live and they know they're in for a good time you're not a band that turns up and just goes through the motions was that a collective effort uh, when you really became a touring band to make sure every live show was still as good for every show could be yeah i think like what kind of if anything made us a bit different to the rest it's kind of goes back to being the underdog sort of like the the most underrated band like dude we you know we'd released runes and although the hype might have gone off around unions union a bit runes we did have a lot of press for um but what we didn't get you know we released man on fire which we felt was our best song ever we went into earthbound what we didn't get was support tours man we just like no one would take us out um you know bands would take us out in uh, the UK is support because that makes sense because they get mm. to play to loads of our fans but we we kind of felt our worth pretty early on like we had a really good booking agent early which helped us and um and she used to say to us like you know there's no point in supporting a, an international band just for the sake of them to get your to get your fans you know you've worked hard so just keep doing those small venues just keep let's just keep booking those small runs and just you know I think that's kind of why now even though we're we're a lot bigger. We still kind of just keep playing the same places because we we've always done that because we didn't really get opportunities to support architects in Scandinavia and go on tour with Killswitch in Australia and go on tour with Azalea Dine throughout America. Like we didn't get those opportunities. We we tried and we we pushed and we felt like we'd made enough of a statement in our own country to do that. You know, especially you know with Earth, you know with Runes we were doing. Uh, like a Coco in London, which is like a, you know, a 1600 up, well, no, 15, 1400. And then we did a forum, which is like 2000 for Earthbound. And we felt like we were, you know, we, we deserved those spots and we didn't get them. So, so we, so we, you know, from a business point of view, I remember we went to Australia 2014, maybe. It was with, it was with Ghost Inside and I Killed the Prom Queen. Um, And I went to two shows and no way. yeah and i thought it was interesting because where you guys were on the bill was a good spot but i thought it was interesting because it was weird australians i don't think they even fucking knew who you guys were it was weird yeah honestly 
I mean, that's probably a podcast in itself, bro. Like that tour was one of the weirdest tours mm. I have ever done um, on a mental, emotional, physical, on every level, financial. Like, you know, that was a big point in our band business-wise, dude. We 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 lost a lot of money doing that. Um, we lost a lot of money. And and we I remember coming back, we were like, look, let's let's just tour which where what makes you know where where makes the most sense let's just tour in these places you know we know germany love us we know the uk love us like if we can get in a van and drive there and do, put a headline show on then that's what we'll do um and that you know that's that's kind of always that's just been instilled in us now you know we're just even now dude we'll get we probably turn things down that people will be like, you crazy. Like, cause we're just like, we're just going to do it the way we want to do it now. Like we tried to play the game for so many years and we tried to like move things around. You know, we, I remember we did um, a few shows with Parkway actually in the UK where we, we moved our earthbound headline tour. We moved it like six, seven months to do like three or four shows of Parkway. And I never forget because we, that was kind of the last time we ever made a decision like that because I remember we we thought like we're we're trying to like we're trying to bend over backwards here to get on international support. We're trying to make ourselves put ourselves in position where because I think architects couldn't do the UK show, so it was kind of like helping them out and then also helping Parkway out because there was like a you know a big band on the bill, or, you know, big band or whatever UK band. Um, and that just never really came back around. It wasn't an enjoyable, enjoyable experience for us. Like we, it wasn't fun. Like we didn't, we didn't have fun, and we kind of got, yeah, just didn't have a lot, of, lot of good time on that. And after that, we were like, well, let's just, um, let's just tour a hell, a hell of a ton. Like we did those shows, and we couldn't do our own headline shows for ages, man. And that super sucked. And um, we don't, you know, I don't like our calendar being, being tight because of. So, you know, let's just headline wherever we can. If we can turn up, put Barry tomorrow at the top and play a show, then sweet. People turn up, awesome. And we keep doing that. If we can get in a van or a bus or whatever and just, you know, do that, it's awesome. It's when planes and uh, when planes get involved, man, I tell you, it just (laughs) sucks financially. Really, really sucks. (laughs) Well, I find it interesting because, you know, my wife's English. I've had the chance to see you guys in England and I saw you play with Loathe and it was the stage invasion festival you did around the time black flame i think it was either black flame had come out or was about to come out it was around this time it was about to come out yeah Yeah, it was was about about to come out out. and the reason i found that interesting was um you guys like i said you put on a show but the fans go rabid for it and then i compared that to when i saw you in 2014 in australia and it was like you were the local band on the show, people like you guys came on. You were, I think, you're middle of the bill. Um, it was about middle, and people just. It was like you turned around. It was like what? If doors just opened, why is nobody in the fucking room? It was weird, man. <laughs> so weird that tour. I don't want to get into it too much because you said, "Oh, it's a whole different podcast." But at the time, I lived in Melbourne. You played at a place called Billboards one night, okay. which is the from memory. It's probably like a two and a half thousand cap, maybe. I remember. I remember it. Was it? It's like in the middle of the city, right? It's yeah, like, yeah. And it's actually yeah. a nightclub, predominantly a nightclub, yeah. except for occasional shows. Um, you guys played um, there. Very, very weird. And then the next day, you were playing in a far suburb called Frankston, playing in a hall, which was like a scouts hall. Um, yeah. 
and that show was just even fucking. <laughs> well, I think I think oh. jo- I think Jonah booked the whole tour, and you know, hats off to Jonah, dude. He he is a sick dude, and he put a lot of a lot of time and effort into that, and and fair play to him, you know, for inviting us over and stuff. And um, I mean, honestly, looking back from like a travel perspective, and just you know. It was a real eye-opener, dude. No, I'm kind of glad that we did we did it that way. And that's such a backwards way. Like, played that, you know, huge show in Melbourne. And then, yeah, some youth club. And it was crazy, man. Some of the shows we played on that. But their experiences, man, and their memories that I hold for a long time. So, in that sense, it's um, it's fun to look back on it. But, yeah, it was uh, <laughs> it was bonkers, dude. It was, it was, it was a bonkers, bonkers tour. Well, I kind think it felt like an American tour. Well, I wonder, I wonder, it probably, without, you know, obviously guessing too much, it kind of obviously was not a very well, as you said, financial experience. I don't fucking blame you guys that it's been six years and you still haven't come down here because um, one thing, any Australians listening, and we know, you know, 50% of our listeners are Australian, maybe less, um, the financial elements that come into play for a band touring are always very considerable and need to be, you know, thought about. But Australians don't realise it is very fucking expensive to get down here. Well, it, yeah, I mean, it's it's like anything, dude. You know, playing shows is is expensive. I mean, the 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 corner that we've put ourselves in now is that we we play quite big shows in mm. the UK and Europe and we bring a production and we bring a crew and we bring, you know, we bring it quite big and uh, that's impossible for us to replicate in Australia, even to the point where, you know, I'd have to, you know, if we flew over, we'd have to bring probably one person with us. And like, it would definitely be to do it now. It would be, um, it'd be pretty crazy, but Mm. you know, dude, I, I mean, it is viable, but it's, it's one of those things we don't, we don't earn, anywhere near as much as I would like us to earn. I'm, I'm sure everybody would say that, but we just don't. We, you know, we're, we're all 30 something year old dudes. We all have our own lives, our own other jobs. Like it's, this isn't a glorified hobby, but then in some respects it kind of is. And, mm. you know, if you want to earn loads of money, don't be in a metal band. <laughs> like don't do mm. it. Cause it, mm. it's, you know, we earn, we earn good money, but it's kind of a big circle, man. Like you earn money and then it goes back out. Mm-hmm. And when I say it goes back out, we put that into our UK and European tours. We put that into, we put that into these continents because we know we're going to get it back. And we're in this strange point now where, I mean, it's kind of been since we the last six years we just couldn't have come. We there's we just couldn't have done it financially. And uh, if we had have done, then other things would have taken the hit. And if those things would have taken a hit, would I even be here talking to you? Would cannibal mm. be a thing? Probably not. So it's it would have been impossible. But as I sit here talking to you now, dude, like there are emails in my inbox with the word Australia in the subject, you know? So mm. like with there are we are in cannibal has put us into a position where we can talk about it, which is awesome, which is super awesome because we never haven't been there for as you say, like six years. So um but we are finally there. But it just as I say, man, it's it costs a lot of money and we're we've got our business to a place on this continent that just works and and just kind of barely keeps us alive but barely keeps the show going as big as it needs to be um 
and we've you know we've probably got a bit too used to that um especially with black flame we were like oh let's just you know really milk that but i think we're cannibal and i think with this lockdown thing we are like we want to get out to as many places as possible with cannibal dude i think it's it's probably about time now so i'll probably be in the minus but we'll just have to do it you know we'll just have to go into the minus yeah look if i have to go to every single show um then you know and buy 14 tickets to every single show um (laughs) Yeah, I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to do it. Yeah, I'll, I'll make exactly. Honestly, price. dude, it's one of those things. I know as soon as we do it, when we and we did it now, we come back and be like, "That's the best thing we mm. did." Mm. You know, it's just, it's just, it's just doing it, and mm. it's like that thing. It's like, you know, like anything in life, when you haven't done something for so long, it almost becomes like the elephant in the room. <laughs> like it's like it's the same thing with America, dude. Like you know, we haven't mm. been there, and it's and it's weird. You know, mm. it's it's all it's also weird that we've not had you know a lot of offers or we've not had you know you know the amount of time the amount of years i've been in this band the amount of offers i've seen or like random bands go to like south america and all these random places and i'm like mm-hmm. well, my emails are dead bro like i'm getting <laughs> where where are all these like where are these conversations so but yeah as i say cannibal has put us into a position now where we can we can financially think about putting those places into our cycle which is which is fucking, which is fucking awesome, dude. Like, is. Believe you me, I wanna, I wanna come to Australia. You know, your beaches are insane. Yeah. Who wouldn't want to go? Well, I mean, our weather's, our weather's decent too. Um, it's not too bad. <laughs> um, exactly. Now, the next two things, obviously, we got to talk about is Black Flame and Cannibal. And Black Flame, one of the first questions I had about it was, you guys have been on Nuclear Blast for a while before that album and then you kind of switched away and you went with music for nations slash sony um was it an intentional move to change up or was it something that just kind of contract ended and it was time to look around yeah so a bit of both really Mm -hmm. mate to be honest with you i think um nuclear blast was really good for a lot of reasons and also not great for a Mm -hmm. few others i mean it's like any relationship i mean at the end of the day dude i think if any band can not be on a record label in this modern world, you don't because, mm. you know, it's, there's not much in it for you, <laughs> mm. but you know, none of, none of, uh, you know, the five of us, we've always been, we literally are just five dudes that make music, you know, like I don't own a, you know, a massive studio in the back of my garden. Like, you know, do dad isn't a millionaire. Like we're just normal dudes. We haven't got loads of money. So the record label thing has always been a route that we kind of have to take, if I'm honest with you. Um, but Nuclear Blast was awesome in so many respects because they, obviously, as you alluded to earlier, when we signed to them, they were such, they're such they're such a big name. Um, uh, and I think during our tenure as a band, we've seen labels mean less and less and less. And I think Nuclear Blast, with all due respect to them, I think that they didn't, they weren't staying up to date. They weren't up to date with the modern mm. and the way things were going. They were still doing things in a very old school way, um, which, as I say, man, in Europe, in some ways, that was good for us. And in some ways, it, you know, positives and negatives. So it was a bit of both, really, dude. We we come to the end. I think we had the option of another one, but they were like, what do you want to do? And we were like, well, look, we're pretty keen to move on. And yeah, it was it was really amicable. Um, still on good terms with everyone there. Um they just, you know, they do they do the things they do in a certain way, and we wanted to do some things in another way. So, 
but really thankful for for what they brought to our band. And yeah, and, and I guess as as you as I say, like we needed someone again to show faith in our band. Obviously, at this point, we had a sellable product. You know, we'd never been in that situation. We had we had something when Nuclear Blast signed us, dude. We we literally would have signed to anybody <laughs> we were so you know we were desperate man we just wanted to put out um our records but this time we were like okay we can what's the, what's the word but we can kind of hold ourselves a bit higher than yeah. we had before so which made record label talks a bit of a breeze really and it was more about just finding somebody that we got lucky because we wanted to find somebody that had the budget but also we wanted to find somebody that had like the the, a small enough team to really concentrate on us mm. um and that's it, it was an absolute win it was like a marriage made in heaven really music for nations a subsidiary of sony so obviously they have the budgets and the um they can make things possible that others can't but they're just you know essentially three four people around a small little office in the big office um you know making decisions that way which is way cooler for me because you know, we're the nuclear blast for me was like, for us was a bit of a, I think growing up with the band and it getting more popular, we're a bit more like we wanted to take hold of things more and be more in control of certain things. So, and nuclear blast is, is quite a big company, you know, they've been around for a long time. There's a lot of people around, whereas with music for nations, we could kind of do it with them, mm. um, which is, was really important for us with black flame and just going into this, you know, adult cycle, I guess, of our band. Um, so yeah, uh, and straight away, you know, we knew that, that Music for Nations could give us the money that we needed to go into a studio that would really open up our, we felt would open up our songwriting, open up our, the opportunity to write better songs, you know. Mm. I think when you, when you aren't, we're not sitting there going, oh, Dan, you should start singing and maybe I should start playing trumpet or, you know, maybe we should start putting... <laughs> pop noises in us you know we are literally like we need to write another metalcore record mm. like at this point we're like how do we make that better and i think for black flame it was so obvious we were like we need to go to a, a rad studio we need to invest money into the songs that we're you know really give ourselves the opportunity you know we we'd worked really hard and music for nations gave us the chance to almost sit back and enjoy that um you know we recorded cannibal and black flame in the same place and both places are amazing. It's just, you know, this huge manor house, bro, massive garden, huge rooms. We all had like our own bedrooms and we could just sit and like really get into the song, you know? And it was just awesome, dude. And yeah, and that was the best thing about going into Black Flame. That album, Black Flame and Cannibal as well, um, fucking massive sound. It, it You can hear that the... Uh, production and where it's being recorded was up another gear. Um, Black Flame looked from an outside perspective that it just, it it just, it took off. People seemed to love the fuck out of that album. I'm not surprised also, but it really seemed like people loved it. Yeah, I mean, I think we'd, um, yeah, I mean, obviously... I said to you at the beginning, it's hard to like work out how much people really, really loved it. I always say to the boys, you need an album to be out a year, really, to mm. kind of work out whether people liked it or not. Because at the beginning, everyone will, they'll be hyped no matter what, you know. But um, no, I think, 
No, I, th- I think we went back to, to basics, you know, even with the name, dude, you know, Black Flame. I mean, it doesn't get any more obvious than that, really. It's pretty uh, it's pretty statement-wise. And, yeah, we really tried to not overthink it, kind of simplify our songs again in a way that, you know, I remember listening to, like, Portraits and Union with Dawson a little bit and just being like, you know, what, just to kind of remember what our sound is and how we can kind of make the most of that in this new environment with this all this new tech and and yeah it was just um it was a really fun experience really fun experience man probably the most you know these two last records has been so fun to make and um and we're just you know we've it's always been mixed messages a little bit before you know we've grown up through our 20s we don't really know you know we want to sound like this but then there's conversations like this and as i said to you portraits and unions there were many arguments and then runes and earthbound was grown with dawson where it was like with Black Flame and Cannibal, it was like, let's just write massive songs, dudes. Mm. Like, we know exactly what to do. We know exactly what to do. Dan, do what you do. I'll go and do what I do. You know, a good example of that is like, I have always been really, uh, um, what's the word? Like, introvert when it comes to my melodies and my lyrics and like what I do. I, I don't, you know, the boys are always like, Jace, what are you saying for this song? And I'm like, I don't know yet. I'm kind of still <laughs> mulling that over my head. Like, and then I'll get into the studio and I'll put stuff down. And I'm just, yeah, just, I've, they have a lot of trust in, trust in me. Let's just say that. They have a lot of trust in me. But with Black Flame and Cannibal, it was like, Black Flame in particular, it was like, no one was really that bothered. They kind of knew that I was okay. And they knew that I was going to do what I needed to do. And it was the same across the board, man. It was just that trust was was there more than ever. Um, yeah, which makes it just way more fun, you know, when the pressure's off in that sense. I think you can hear it with Black Flame and Cannibal, not only, like I said, production, but obviously the band feel comfortable and are having fun. Um, something I wanted to ask in there, because you kind of touched on it about the singing, you know, with Cannibal, we know anyone that's a diehard fan or knows about the album a lot is Dan came out and said about, you know, the lyrical content and how personal and, you know, uh, dark is probably not the right word, but you know what I'm trying to say. That the it's album dark, is, man. It's yeah. Dark. That's, yeah I'd go so, so what my question is is for you, who's doing the the clean vocals, which is the way we'll say it. Um, are you inv- <laughs> are, are you inv- <laughs> are you involved in his writing process? Like, is, are you two throwing ideas around or bouncing ideas of like how you're going to work your melodies? Or is he bringing the lyrics to you on most albums, but particularly Cannibal, and saying, this is what I want you to sing, can we work it? Yeah, so uh, we've always wrote our own lyrics, just Mm -hmm. I think out of a matter of principle, really. Mm -hmm. Um, But he will always, you know, with Union, with Runes, he'll come to me with an idea of a song or the idea of a record, and then he'll be like, "These." he always writes his lyrics first. I mean, Dan is, dude, he's the quickest guy in writing lyrics and melodies and Dan will, uh, Dewis will send him a demo and he'll have, he'll have a melody all over it. Like I remember we had Choke as a demo and Dan had already had the idea for the whole beginning part where he just says Choke and lets the riff ring and does the like, like, I remember he had that so early on and I was like, dude, what the hell? You're a machine. Like, so he, he's always done. And then I always come in later, but, um, and he, he, he helps me. In, on certain parts, but as I said, we are very individual with what we do. I think melody wise, I'm always like, look, just leave it with me because 
I think Cannibal was a good example. It was the first time we ever really demoed vocals pre-proper tracking. Um, and I think every single melody that I demoed wasn't what I used in the end. So, mm. you know, it's, I, I always, I, I, it is a very lonely thing, but I think lyrically, I've never been like a lyrical sort of guy. It's never been why I listen to music. It's never been something that I looked out for, which is weird considering I'm a vocalist, but <laughs> more always a bit more bothered about the music. But with, um, so it's always a real process for me. Like Black Flame, Dan came to me with his lyrics and was like, look, dude, this is what I want to sing about in this song. And then I'd kind of bounce ideas off him, come up with my own lyrics that worked with my melody. Cause my melody is always my number one priority. Like, if it ain't catchy and it's not doing what I need it to do, then I don't care what I'm saying. Whereas this one was different. This cannibal was like a completely different journey, dude. Cause like we started the same way as we always do. And then Dan sent me like lyrics to all his songs. And I remember sending him a text message going, dude, are you going to send me a happy one? Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like completely seriously. Like, are you, why are these all so dark? And he was like, I remember him being like, just sending me back like the eyes emoji. <laughs> I was like, okay. So, and it was, you know, it was a bit of a drawn out process, but he eventually was like, look, like this is how I'm feeling. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty deep, but essentially I, I'd heard some things from him that I kind of, not that I wasn't expecting, but kind of that I had to face and kind of, because normally if your friend's going through something, you can be there for him. But like, unless, you know, we're not, me and Dan are very different people. He respects that I'm different to him and vice versa. So normally you can kind of just, you know, he'll go to the people that he knows he can go to and talk about that stuff and not, and he'll just be my friend no matter what. Whereas because we share this pivotal role of, of being the voice, it was like he had to talk to me about stuff that I don't think necessarily he, he would have done would. or we would have mm. done. Um, but it was cool because it, it just put me in a, it put me in a weird space. It put me in a, I had to, I basically wrote all of my lyrics in the studio. Um, I had, I'd say most of my melodies by that point, but it was just about, you know, putting actual lyric and I had lyrics, but nothing that was really like meaningful. Um, and then, yeah, I just got into a, I want to say I got into a state, but I wasn't like depressed or anything, but I just kind of, I was on, on my own a lot every time I wrote lyrics for hours and hours in like in evenings and mornings, I'd just think about Dan's point of view and what he was trying to get across and just, yeah, really delved in. I mean, it's hard. It's hard. Cause I, I'm, it's almost like looking back. I'm like, I can't really remember what it felt like. If that makes sense. It's really weird. It's almost like a separate person did it, but um, yeah, it was weird, man. It was, uh, you know, he's been through some really, really tough stuff and he isn't the sort of person that will, like what's the best way to say it? he's not the sort of person that will like moan about it a lot mm. he's not you know he, mm. his problems are his problems he's not going to sit there and be like hey guys everyone um but he's been through a lot and his mental struggles have been something that we've all seen and we've all dealt with and we've all helped and not helped at certain points over the last 10 years um and i think yeah just making this record about that was just a really it must have been really cathartic for him. Mm. Must have been, and I can, you know, I've, obviously he said it was to me, but I can only imagine. Like, well, I can't even imagine how much, how good it must have felt to get that all out on a record and just have something to show for it that can help other people. Like that's so cool. Um, 
and it's very humbling to be a part of that like mate you know he's one of my best mates and we are very different um but it feels really cool to have you know just purely because i can sing i I was just thrown into a bit of a cauldron with him um mentally and it was cool i've i've learned a few things i learned about him a little bit more i know him a bit better i know myself a bit better um and i think the songs are better off for it as well Mm. so it's a bit of a win-win all round, to be honest with you um yeah it's a it's a outstanding album for every element that came came into it um you know two one two of my last questions are revolving around cannibal one was um you know you guys understandably in the current climate you announced the release initially for april i think it was mid to late april and then you know because of what's going on you delayed it till july that must have been really difficult. I mean, was the reasoning behind uh, things like the pressing plant and stuff, or was it you guys were just worried about not being able to tour behind the back of it? Yeah, I think it was a, I mean, it was a label decision. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't, you know, I mean, when that sort of thing happens, obviously from our point of view, we're, we're like, well, we just want people to hear the record. Like, you know, it is what it is. Um, I think our label, along with a lot of other people, maybe we're a bit naive and didn't expect it to go on for as long as it did and Mm. has. Um, So I think that kind of, kind of went with it. You know, it wasn't something we wanted to do. If I'm honest with you, dude, it was, it was more of a, the label like, look, this is what we, we have to do to make sure that everybody gets it physically um, at the same time. Ironically, that, that actually didn't happen because this has gone on, way more and been affected i mean i think when we made that call about april dude it was i mean it was still like yeah a lot of people were in denial about mm. you know a lot of people had their head in the sand including our government to be fair so i mean you know, mm. i can't blame them too much because our government did but so i think it was um it was an early decision and i think if we if if i could go back i would have at least made it possible for it to be available digitally mm-hmm. um just so people could have heard it uh and I don't like releasing like half the record before it's out. You know, that sucks, man. I, I hated, you know, even now people are like, oh, dude, sick EP. And I'm like, no, bro, it was nine EP. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, not an ideal situation, bud, to be honest. And not something that I don't think any anyone in our team saw it playing out. But it was what it was. One thing we did do was just make decisions quickly, really. And whatever decision we did, we just backed it 100% and, and worked around it. Um I mean, in hindsight, I guess there's some positives, but it definitely wasn't. It definitely wasn't like a, any positives that we've got out of it wasn't like a thought out thing. Like it was just, it was more like, oh snap, like let's react to this because we don't want to get, we don't want to get screwed out. You know, don't we want, if things go back to normal in June, then awesome. It makes total sense, you know, because we just kind of like, swam around the issue <laughs> mm-hmm. but instead we you know it went on a lot longer and we kind of just it just felt like we'd lengthened it out for the sake of lengthening out but we didn't we we gen- i think the label genuinely wanted to dodge the uh the pandemic i guess in a way but well i don't hey-ho. i don't think you know i mean you know hindsight is 2020 um well it is 2020 um yeah so, true, true. yeah um yeah but what I, what i'm trying to say is that it's not ideal having to delay a release in an album for anyone, for the fan, for the band, you know, for anyone. 
but it clearly didn't have, um, looking into it, it doesn't look like it had that massive effect. What it possibly has done is it made more people want the album more because it seems like it's doing, I know it's only been like a month or just under, but it seems yeah, like it's doing a month, like month Saturday. Or it looks like it's doing really well, man. Charted, doing all of this kind of stuff. Like, fuck, man. Like, what's the early impressions been, with the reaction? Yeah, it's it's been, dude. Honestly, it's been crazy. I mean, I, I have to be honest. Like, uh, the best way for me to know is to play shows and mm. tour. Like, because mm. I'm quite an introvert anyway, so I'm not like in a pub every Friday, like speaking to people. So even you saying that then I'm like, kind of reminds me, you know, especially in lockdown, dude, we've all just, we're all just sat in our houses. Like it sucks. But, um, yeah, it, it, I can't wait for, for 2021, bro. Cause I think honestly, that's when I'm gonna, I'm gonna really realize that really, really, re- cause at the moment it does feel like it's done really well, but it's just hard to grasp it. I don't know. It's mm. really difficult. I, I I'm, the reaction, I mean, the reaction on social media as far as like likes and clicks and views and shares has been quadruple what we've ever had before. The amount of pre-orders we had were, you know, quadruple what we had before. So it's bonkers. And and if that if that translates into shows, then that's, you know, I, I was talking to Dav the other day, dude. Honestly, the best thing about this is playing shows. Like the best mm-hmm. thing about being in a, the best thing about being in a band at this level is playing shows. Mm-hmm. Like by a mile it's the best thing like without it it's not really that fun <laughs> to be honest in some ways you know it's, it's weird it's without it, it yeah it sucks so it's it's really hard to like gauge how good it's gone down i know it's gone down well but dude i just can't wait to play shows yeah and as soon as i play shows i'll be able to really take it in and yeah it's weird and dude we i mean we we finished we started writing this record like so long ago we had it we had cannibal like done and dusted in like october you know 2019 so it's been a long it's been a long journey and i think we're just all at the point now where we're like like wow it's out there Mm. and now i just need to play a show for it to really hit me in the face like people singing along man you know like i've not been able to hear anybody sing Mm. along choke with me like you have no idea how much I want to play that song live. I was <laughs> I was sat here today just playing choke. I must have played it like three times in a row. And I was literally just imagining a crowd. Like sucks. Ah. You don't you know, we write these songs to play them like we, live, we really do, and to not be able to do that's just a, a real bummer. But um but hey, better to have cannibal and no shows than no cannibal at all, right? So Yeah, well I mean, you know, it's been an absolute bonkers year so far. Um, the year's not even finished. Um, you know, hopefully sometime next year, being realistic, uh, live shows will get back to, to going and then people will be able to witness this. You know, clearly they like it on record, but, you know, not only do you itch to play it live, but fans itch to hear it live. I mean, they itch to be able to go off. I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to have to get tape measures out and stand two metres away from each other and I don't know how pits are going to work. And But, yeah. Who knows? I mean, dude, we're definitely at the bottom of the... Uh, Priorities I mean, list? 
Yeah, we're, we're, we're the bottom <laughs> of the list as far <laughs> as priorities of getting, you know. Well, as far as hygiene, we're just, <laughs> it's just the most unhygienic thing, like a metal show, isn't it? So, um, Well, I always go, you know, I don't know if you have it much in the UK, but there's always this joke in, in when you go to see a show in Australia is the pit is a thing unto itself. It always is, no matter where in the world you are. But there's always that one dude for some reason that is heavily sweating and hasn't got a shirt on and he's rubbing into everyone and hitting everyone. I don't know what that dude's going to do anymore in, you know, 2020, 2021 with live shows. I think people are going to care more, aren't they? Mm. Def- I mean, well, I don't know, dude. That's the, that's the thing with music. Like, it makes you... You know, I remember, I mean, I could I could probably put on a Killswitch song right now and lose my mind if I wanted to. Like, it just, music makes you lose your mind, doesn't it? So it's mm. such an unsafe environment in that sense. But I don't know, man. I just, I guess, you know, we're going to have to go back to normal at some point. We're going to mm. have to, everyone's going to have to kind of just, you know, if, if you're going to, you know, if we're going to catch it, we're going to catch it to a degree. I think hopefully just people wash their hands more. Mm. Just, you know, if I'm... I mean, personally, like I've been carrying around hand sanitizer with me for the last three years, but that's that's because I I shake a lot of hands, and when I'm at shows, you meet a lot of people. Like, <clears throat> so I've been, my eyes have been quite open to that. But hopefully, that this will just do that across the board. Genuinely, mm-hmm. it shows like people will be like, "Well, I'm going to wash my hands when I go into a venue and stuff like that." And just, I don't know, it's a weird one, dude. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I just, Mm, I don't know. It's just yeah, very intriguing times. I you know how gonna... it will affect us. I guess we won't know, will we, until next year? But no. I mean, I know like our year is basically we've basically taken our twenty twenty and and moved into Maybe. next year. Mm, mm. Um, but dude, as you know, as soon as we get told we can play a show, we'll play a show. If you know, that literally, <laughs> like if they said tomorrow you can play a show on December first, I'll be booking Defe- December first. First, like <laughs> you, you best believe that. <laughs> um. All right, dude, let's wrap things up with uh, what I do for everyone because uh, it's late there and it's, you know, we're, 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 we've smashed it, but we got to finish things off the right way. The way we do it is called pick your poison. Now, what happens is I give you two options. You pick your favourite of the two. You don't have to give a justification, but the thing is you have to pick one of the two. Okay? Okay. I'm in. Okay. Uh, pizza or a burger? Oh, pizza. Oh, okay. Risotto or pasta? Pasta. Okay. Soft taco or hard taco? <sighs> Neither. Ooh. So, uh, soft, I guess. Okay. Okay. Um, Chinese takeaway or Indian takeaway? Indian. Okay. Uh, chicken or beef? Chicken. Okay. Beer or whiskey? Whiskey. Smooth peanut butter or crunchy peanut butter? Uh, I want to say neither. Ooh. I've got to say neither. Okay. I've never, I don't think I've ever, ever had both. Ooh. Whoa. <laughs> That's a podcast unto itself. <laughs> <laughs> um, mayo or brown sauce? Mayo. Okay. Coffee or tea? Tea. Okay. Uh, cook at home or dine out when you used to be able to go out? Um, I want to say takeaway. Uh, dine in. Um, dine, dine out, rather. Dine out. New movie. 
Going to watch it at the cinema or watch it on the couch? Couch. Okay. Uh, now, this one's an interesting one because you live in bloody England, but would you rather spend the day at the beach or spend the day at the snow? Um, at the beach. I mean, I live by the sea, so. Mm, yeah. Well, yeah, you Sorry, do. No justification, but... <laughs> Um, cat or dog? Cat. Okay. Uh, Terminator or Predator? Predator. Mm, nice. Um, Jason Bourne or James Bond? James Bond. The OG? The OG. The OG, yeah. Uh, Rambo or Rocky? Rocky. Uh, Freddy or Jason? Jason. Star Wars or Star Trek? Uh, Star Wars, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. If I got asked that, I'd probably have the same reaction. Like, because, yeah. Everyone listening, I'm sorry, but I just can't do either, really, personally. Um, South Park or Simpsons? South Park. Okay. Uh, Slayer or Pantera? Slayer. Corn or Limp Bizkit? Ooh, Limp Bizkit. Uh, Metallica or Megadeth? Metallica. Metallica, Metallica, Metallica. Uh, Marilyn Manson or Rob Zombie? Um, Marilyn Manson. Okay. Um, Darkest Hour or God Forbid? Oh, dude. I'm going to... I'm going to go, God forbid. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, All right, last couple. Um, Playing a show, do you want stage dives happening or mic grabs happening? Uh, Stage dives. Okay. Um, You go to a show. Are you going to watch it from the pit or up the back by the sound desk? Yeah, up the back. I'm one of those. Yeah, me too. Me too. Too old. I'm old now. Yeah. 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 Okay, the next one will be an interesting answer. You know, you can only do one, but I know one goes with the other. Would you rather record for the rest of your life or tour for the rest of your life? Tour. Ooh. Yeah, 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 tour. Yeah, definitely. Now, last one is the only triple one. I'm going to give you your all-time favourite album. Do you want it on CD, vinyl, or on your phone? Now, whichever one you pick is the only way you can listen to it. CD. Nice. Okay. It's like a properly mastered CD. I'd probably take that, yeah. Yeah, the, the quality is the best of all of them, so. Mm, yeah. Um, dude, first thing, thank you. Appreciate every minute of this. That was really relaxed, really enjoyable. Um, yeah, had a lot of fun. Um, yeah, man, my pleasure. In good depth. Chat. Um, yeah, thank you. It's And, you know, I appreciate this and, you know, down down the track when everything starts getting back to normal, we'd love to touch base and do a part two and see where the band is and how everything started proceeding afterwards. Would love to, mate, yeah. No, I've really enjoyed it, mate. Really nice chat. It's, I mean, it's that time, it's the, you've hit me, got me the right time of the evening, mate, so I'm just in that, like, <laughs> kick Chill. back, have a nice relaxing <laughs> conversation. Sorry if I chewed your ear off, but no, no. it's good, man. You're, you, um... Something about you guys in, in BT, you know how to have a chat, and that's why it's enjoyable. So um, I, <laughs> I enjoyed every minute, man. I love that you could chat. I love that you went on tangents. Um, excellent. Excellent chat. Awesome. 
Yeah, amazing, man. Respect to you. Definitely part two at some point. Yes. Respect to you, my friend. I need, yeah, I'm going to go make a drink, I think. But yeah, dude, honestly, really sick chat, man. And thank you for the questions. I, I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I haven't done one of these in like, I did a lot in like a week. I did like 10 Zoom calls and like 10 things. <laughs> haven't done anything for like 10 days. We're just not bothered. So it's nice to have a chat. No, I really appreciate it. And like I said, you're a legend. Um, and I'll stay in touch, man. Definitely do, brother. Definitely do, man. Take care. Take care. I'll speak to you soon, bro. All right, later, Jace. Sound the only way we'll ever know. Never let go.
So that was my chat with Jason of Berry Tomorrow. At the end there, you heard the band's track, Dark, Infinite. The second track was called Gods and Machines. Both of those tracks are off the band's most recent album, Cannibal. And the final track you heard was Man on Fire, which is from their album, Ruins. Now's the part of the show where I spark that thing inside you to support the band that's been on the show. So if you enjoyed the music or if you enjoyed the conversation at the end there, now's your chance. Get online, stream some music, download some music. If you're into physical copies, there is plenty of it online. Get on eBay, 
Get on the band's web store. Grab some of that. If you're into merch, lots of that online as well. Make sure you grab a hoodie, a t-shirt, some moss shorts. Whatever you got to do, support Jason and the band, whether it's through listening of the music or purchasing. Now, I've got to take this moment to thank Jason again. Thank you so very, very, very much, dude, for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. Look forward to touching base with you soon, and we'll hook up another chat. And that's it. That's the Mosh Zone, episode 129, done, dusted, all wrapped up, locked away for this week. Guys, if you're a first-time listener, thank you for tuning in. I hope you come back over future weeks on future episodes. If you're a regular listener, thank you as always for tuning in and hope you come back in future weeks. This time of the show is when I remind you that we need your help to get out to more listeners. So if you've got a few moments this week and you enjoyed this episode, share it on your social medias. Also, tell everyone you know about the Mosh Zone. Help us out. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. Also, at this time of the show, I need to remind you that if you want to find Mosh News and Mosh Reviews, we have it all on our website and social medias. Our website is www.themoshzone.com. Our social medias are all at The Mosh Zone, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, don't forget... You can also get in touch through our email address, which is themoshzone at gmail.com. Get in touch, guys. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. There's not much else to talk about. That is all of my rambling done. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great week. Stay safe. Open the pitch.